I'm, my name's Eddie, and I am delighted to be with you uh, this morning. We're going to be looking at John chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 1 through 15. For I say that I have been, uh, along with my wife, worshiping here uh, for the last six months. And it's never, I've also uh, gone all around Greenville and Anderson to hear different preachers. And while it is never good to play the comparison game, I personally think you have the best preacher uh, that I've heard uh, since I have been traveling around. One other note, uh, my wife and I are also the grandparents of Sophie Spencer, who also uh, is uh, a part of the children's ministry here. John chapter 5, it is an honor uh, to read God's Word and to try uh, to be one that teaches God's Word this morning. John chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there was in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, One who was there, had been there for 38 years, an invalid. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found the man at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Blessed be the reading of God's Word. Now this morning I want to try to get at this passage uh, that, that will contain a lot more than I will share, especially the rest of, of John chapter 5, but I want to uh, kind of get at the passage by asking three questions. Now, asking questions, facing personal doubt, confronting intellectual, cultural objections to the Christian faith is is part and parcel of of growing a reasonable faith. 
Uh, especially being a witness uh, in this culture. So asking questions of, of, about God and the Bible is, is important, but today we're not going to look at a question that we ask God. We're going to look at a question that God, that God in the flesh asked us. It's right there in verse 6. Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be well. Now, the context of this passage is Jesus has just come to Jerusalem early on in his ministry. It's festival season, which meant that uh, multitudes of Jewish pilgrims had come uh, to Jerusalem to celebrate a feast. We're not sure which one uh, it is. And Jesus comes to this pool uh, that is reputed to have healing powers. And around this pool of the blind, the lame, the, the paralyzed, the disabled, and, uh, and there's this one man who has come to this pool. Now, uh, we don't learn a lot about the pool in our passage. If you'll lo- notice in your Bibles, uh, you have John 5, 1 through 3, and then you have John 5, verse 5, what's up? What about verse 4? Does John not believe in verse 4s? Well, if you look underneath uh, or in the smaller print of the Bible, which I'm not even sure I can read, we have verse 4 that is not in the most reliable manuscripts that translators use, but it gives some uh, kind of cultural context to some of the super, uh, superstitious beliefs uh, about this pool. It says, verse 4, the, from time to time an angel of the Lord would come down and stir the waters. The first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease he had. And so here you have a man who has come to this pool in the hopes of healing And Jesus, the passage said, sees this man. He sees this man. He sees his infirmity. He sees the isolation and and loneliness that comes with disability. In this culture, the disabled, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed were shunned from social and religious community intentionally shunned and ostracized. And Jesus sees this man. He sees the infirmity, sees the disability. He sees the loneliness. You can hear in his response to Jesus the, the, the a spirit of, of bitterness, of, of blame shifting. It appears that this man has become a victim. His illness has become his identity. And Jesus, seeing this man, asks him this question. Do you want to get well? Now, does that strike you as odd that Jesus would ask him that question? What, what do you mean, do I want to get well? What, what, what do you think I'm doing here? That's why I've come to this pool hoping that I'm going to magically get well if I could ever get into this pool. And it's, the, the question seems superfluous at best, almost cruel at worst. But remember who Jesus is. He, has, he, 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 he is a man with perfect love and 
perfect insight. And I would suggest to you that Jesus is he's probing. He is examining this man's desires. Do you want to get well? What do you want? What is it that you want? And, and, and I would suggest that there is a corollary to this question. Do you want to get well? And that is, what do you think it is that's going to bring you wellness? Uh, the Greek word well in, in verse 6 can also be translated as restored or healed or, or whole. Do you want to be whole? What is it that you think will make you whole? Jesus is probing the desires of this man's heart. And today he asks us. He asks us, what, do, do you want to be whole? And the implied question is, well, what do you want? Do you want to be whole? Do, do, do you want to know life? What is it that you think is, is going to bring you life? What is it if you had it today or you knew you would have it into the days and weeks ahead that you knew if you had it, it would give you peace and joy that if you could just have this, you, you know deep within yourself that you would have peace and joy, life that is truly life. What are the deepest desires and longings of our hearts? You know, we, we, we don't oftentimes think or talk about those things. In fact, I would suggest that we busy ourselves or amuse ourselves or harden ourselves so we don't have to really think on those things. Do you want to be whole? What is it that you think is going to make you whole, give you life? Now, the Bible, especially the Gospel of John, answers those questions very clearly. I mean, you, you, you're, we are doing a study of the Gospel of John, a superficial reading of the Gospel of John, a cursory glance of this Gospel is going to tell you, answer the questions, do you want to be whole? What is it that you think is going to make you whole? It is Jesus. In the beginning is the Word, was the Word, and the Word was flesh. And the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us so that we saw the glory of the one and only sent for the Father, full of grace and full of truth. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only has made Him known. In Him is life. Without Him nothing has been made that has been made. In Him He is life. In Him is life and wholeness. That's just chapter 1. He is the Lamb of God who came to reconcile us, to heal us, to make us whole, to give us life and relationship with God. John 2, Jesus is the wine of life who came to restore a festival joy to this thing. is driving me nuts. <laughs> I'm going to go to this. I have ADD and these things really distract me. A festival joy to life. Or John chapter 3. Can I put this on the communion thing? John chapter 3. Jesus came to bring a, a new life. A, a spirit life. A kingdom life. He's able to do that because he is life. 
who came and lived and died and rose again and ascended to heaven so that he might send his spirit life to us. A new birth into a living hope so that we might be alive. John chapter 4. That Jesus is the living waters that would quench every deep thirst and hunger of our lives. That the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 13 says, My people have forsaken me. They have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that will not hold water in Jesus is the one who not only came to repair the broken cisterns, he is the well from which we get living waters. Do you want to be whole? What is it that you think is going to make you whole? Jesus, the Gospel of John, is very clear. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. He is life. He is wholeness. And you say, Eddie, that's good little preaching you got going on there. Thank you. But I don't believe the Bible. I, 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 don't, I, I, I don't believe. I, don't, I, don't, I do not ascribe to the basic presuppositions the Bible has regarding human nature and human needs and human wants and human desires. But Jesus' question and its corollary is still there. Do you want to be well? Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be happy? Do you want to have a life that is truly life? What is it that you think is going to make you whole? Give you life? I love what Jim Carrey says, the the comedian and actor. He says, I think everybody ought to be rich and famous and, 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 and do everything that they could ever dream of so that they would find that that's not the answer. See, well, how does our culture respond? What do you want? Do you want to be whole? you want to be happy? What is it that you think is going to bring this kind of happiness and wholeness and life? Now, the culture is pretty clear. It is the pursuit of individual autonomy. You do you. You seek to satisfy your own desires. Seek to pursue your own success and significance. I mean, if you doubt that, just, just, just listen to our friend. I'm sure that Andy or others have quoted from this pulpit the great theologian and anthropologist Princess Elsa. What do you want? What is it that you think is going to make you whole? It's time to see what I can do. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and to break through. No right, no wrong, no rules. I'm I'm free. That's what's going to make me whole. But it doesn't. In in fact, um, uh, studies, uh, one particular study several years ago, and this is even before covid uh, a study in the, the epidemic in American culture of, uh, of anxiety and depression that is across socioeconomic educational uh, lines, levels. Uh, it affects uh, the poor of the poor and the wealthiest of the wealthy. And, and the, one, of the, one study done by uh, a French sociologist, hardly an evangelical Christian, he said this, that the epidemic of depression is the result of and he says this, increased feelings of inadequacy, 
arising from a social context in which success is attributed to and expected of the autonomous self. What do you want? Do you want to be whole? What is it that you think is going to make you whole? Well, it's time to see what I can do. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. You do you. It leads to such anxiety. Anxiety and depression that literally is caused from a worldview handed to us uh, by this culture. You see, if you is all you got, you is all you have. And life with just you can be very, very lonely. I mean, even if you achieve great things, even if you're renowned for some measure of success, even if you're able to to pursue the satisfaction of all those sensual desires, discover, like Solomon, it's vanity. It's meaningless. It's vapor. It comes, it goes. I mean, I don't know if you, I'm sure many of you are golf fans. You watch Phil Mickelson. Uh, we who are old will start cheering for any old person there is. I've never been a fan of Phil Mickelson until he's 50 and he's playing uh, in, the, in the PGA Championship. He wins the PGA Championship at age 50 and the critics come out this week. He didn't make the cut. It's the nature of, uh, of, uh, of the successes and the satisfactions of this world. You see, apart from God, life, Apart from God, even the greatest life, even the most successful life, even the one who is able to satisfy all of the desires of the human heart apart from God, there's a void, there's a void that casts a shadow over everything. As Blaise Pascal says, there, God has created us with a God-shaped vacuum that only he can fill. Do you want to be whole? What is it that you think will bring wholeness? You know, the passage, Jesus sees this man. He sees the emotional brokenness, the physical disability. He sees the consequence uh, of a culture that shuns the disabled This man is in despair and sad. He's physically disabled. Jesus speaks a word of power and brings healing to this man. But you see, Jesus saw even a deeper brokenness. A brokenness beyond the physical disability, the emotional pain, the social and and religious uh, shunning. He sees... uh, Uh, a deeper brokenness. That's why after Jesus heals the man and the man is uh, is getting back to life, he's he's gone to the temple uh, to to worship and Jesus, the, 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 the great hound of heaven in the flesh, Jesus, Uh, The relentless lover seeks this man out. And listen to what he says in verse 14. Later, Jesus 
found him at the temple. By the way, uh, Jesus is the pursuer. Uh, This man, he's so spiritually, emotionally dull, he gets healed. He didn't even know who healed him. I mean, that's kind of sad. Jesus pursues this man as the great lover and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Uh, that's kind of one of the, 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 the hard words of Jesus. What, what is Jesus talking about there? Well, what he's not teaching is that our individual sins or our personal suffering and sickness is directly related in proportion to our sins. That we, we know Jesus is not teaching that because a couple of chapters later, he and his disciples see a blind man and the disciples said, uh, is, is this man because of his sin or because of his parents' sin? John chapter 9, 1 through 3. And Jesus says, no, neither. It is so that the, the, the glory of God may dis- be displayed in his life. Jesus is not teaching that our sickness, our suffering, is directly related to the proportion of our sin and our disobedience. And I would just say, if it was, I mean, think about if it was. I mean, God's standard is to love him with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, our neighbor as ourselves, and love our enemies as well. And he is the God who not only gives a perfect standard for obedience, but he is omniscient. He sees everything about us. Do you know how much trouble we would be in if, if our sickness and our suffering or the, or the, uh, leads to the consequences of God's judgment upon our lives because of our individual sins? I mean, we, we, we would be in trouble. So what is Jesus doing? I would suggest to you that Jesus, that Jesus is doing a spiritual intervention. He's doing a spiritual intervention. He sees that there is a brokenness in this man beyond his emotional and physical brokenness. He has a sickness called sin and idolatry that leads to death. This man needs more than just physical healing. He needs the healing touch of Christ. He needs the one who came and lived and died and rose again so that people might be whole, spiritually whole. He is teaching in this passage, I suggest, that apart from Christ, there is no wholeness, healing, peace, Joy, life that is truly life. And his message is not just with this man. If you look at the passage, there are two groups of people in this passage. You have the one group, the lame, the paralyzed, the blind. The man represented that group. They were unhealthy. They were sick. They were ostracized. They did not have access to community and economic growth and and the temple. And then you had the second group, the leaders, the religious leaders, the, 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 the Pharisees, 
the experts in the law. They were healthy. They were at the center of the social and, and, and religious life of, of the Jewish community. They were the orthodox. They not only believed the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible, but they knew it inside and out. And yet, what does this passage tell us about them? When they saw a man who had been miraculously healed after 38 years of paralysis and social religious shunning, all they could see was a man who had broken one of the, of the rabbinical, extra-biblical do's and don'ts regarding the Sabbath that said, one of them says, you couldn't carry your mat on the Sabbath. I mean, which, which groups are more sick? Is it the group that is paralyzed, lame, blind? Are these religious folks that are that are so blind in the name of religion, in the name of power, in the name of hatred, that they cannot see the one who came to heal and make us whole. You see, the passage, simple truth, asking a question but a simple truth, no thing in this world can bring wholeness. No thing in this world can bring healing in life, not even religion. In fact, religion can sometimes be the very thing that blinds us to seeing the healer, to seeing the one who came that we might have life. Yes, it is the pursuit of autonomy that keeps us from our healing, from wholeness, uh, that sets our life apart from God and we'll do our own thing. The mantra of many uh, in, our, in our culture today is, I, I don't have any trouble with, with God in the Bible. I just don't see the need. You do you, I'll do me. But you see, there's another group that's just so blind. Sometimes our own moral goodness and our own religiosity are the, the very idols that are last to fall to see the glory of Jesus. Now, if you've been keeping score on my three little questions, and I probably lost you a good ways ago, the one, first one is Jesus' question, do you want to be whole? Second question, what is it that you think will make you whole? And thirdly, and I'm, I'm driven by that clock man. Uh, somebody told me I've got to be done at 9.57. So uh, I probably will not be back to preach again, so I might go beyond 9.57 to 9.58. How do you get well? How, how do we become whole? Well, what does this passage teach us about how we get well? Well, in the passage, uh, we, we learn very clearly that Jesus is... Uh, not just fully human, but divine. He speaks a word of power. And that should not surprise us. I mean, the Bible is very clear. John is very clear that, 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 that Jesus is 
the eternal Son of God, the Word of God, who was at his Father's side when he spoke, let there be light, and there was light. When he was with his disciples in the, in the, on, the, on the sea and the waves and the wind were coming at them and the, f- the disciples were scared to death, he, he, he said to the wind and waves, peace be still, and there was calm. And so it should not surprise us when he meets this man with a physical disability, unable to walk for 38 years, Jesus said, get up, take your mat, and walk, and the verse 9 says, at once he was cured, took up his mat, and he walked. Such is the power of the Word of God. But when it comes to our spiritual wholeness, when it comes to our spiritual healing, when it comes to God making a sinful and rebellious people whole, transforming self-obsessed souls into new creations, a God, a holy God to forgive as well as to spiritually indwell us. It is not by the power of his word, but by the work of grace. Jesus at the work, at a costly work of grace, an inexpressible love at an extravagant cost. Not a word, but a work. In fact, Jesus says in verse 17, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working, working. Father, the work of our glorious healing sent his Son. The Father and the Son who had known perfect spiritual union and unity in the community of the Trinity for all eternity. The eternal Son of God implanted in the womb of a virgin teenager. Grew up in abject poverty and obscurity. Had a three-year ministry culminating in his ride into the holy city on a donkey on his way to a cross. The work of the Father and the work of the Son. Remember in that last week, the Son saying to the Father, take this cup from me, take this work from me. And then on that Friday, in obedience to the Father, committed to the Father's work, committed to the love of folks like us, eternal Son of the Father, perfect unity in community with the Trinity for all eternity, alone, forsaken, twisted, tortured, Nails through hands and feet, back lacerated, limbs rinsed, brow bleeding, mouth dry, intolerably thirsty, plunged to an God-forsaken darkness, absorbing like a sponge every bit of our sickness and our suffering and our sins, so that by 
his wounds, we would be whole. Do you want to be whole? What is it that you think will make you whole? How do we get whole? Augustine said, it will not be held against us that we cannot bring together our wounded limbs, but that we reject him who has come to heal us. And those of us who have received that healing, that we might spiritually know more healing and wholeness and life, what is our response? Oh, We'll sing it in the last song, but were the whole realm of nature mine, that would be a gift too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, and my all. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us?